church boys. All right, so we have just a few minutes because we have a special guest coming on. That we're going to interview an interview live right here, so uh, she'll be coming on shortly, uh, and it will be fun. But first, it's before, not Lucas. It's, it's not, not Lucas. Lucas. That's Lucas, the best intro her. you've ever had, Chris. It was fast. It was to the point. So, I mean, we need to bring you know, guests on. Everyone's every time. a critic on this show. Everyone's a critic. You know Guys, I think my I favorite, might have COVID, my, but that's my for favorite. Later po- in the show. My favorite podcasts last just however long the hosts want to talk, and as long as they're having fun. But, but see, right. Lucas doesn't believe in fun. That's the problem. Though. I don't believe. I don't know. In fun. La- well, last pastor, week was unhinged. Why. Last week's it show was, was unhinged. Crazy. It was the rantings of three lunatics. <laughs> I was afraid to share it. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I mean, I'm never <laughs> afraid to share anything. What did we I've say? I don't remember saying. I don't remember saying anything that was horrible. I, I only have horrible, three more friends. I only have three friends left, Chris, and two of them are on this program. So I have to, <laughs> I have to really be careful with that third one. So Chris right. was like on some story about urinating in the woods and i, I just yes. remember blankets being thrown at him <laughs> yes. in the back of a dumpster and then it was we had I some think friends there was a baby seal involved but yes, i don't remember was. for sure and there was someone was concerned <laughs> it was scanlock she said she was worried about you and i going fisticuffs or was it deanne no deanne hello me Dean. and you hello deanne yeah because we because you and i had been fighting on the i was we unhinged i don't you, even know what was going on you like, needed I, I, what we talked about i think that three I think we were all possessed last week. Oh, no, there was something wrong. There was definitely somebody was playing with fire. But so, something was wrong. But so I'll um, tell you what, but it, it paid off because did you see our numbers in Zimbabwe? Oh, I did. Um, we were what okay. Were we? How high did we, we were, get in Zimbabwe? We were okay in news and comment Zimbabwe in Zimbabwe. At the same time that we were about 150, 160 or so in the, in the US, I think, we were number two in news and commentary <laughs> Apple Podcasts in Zimbabwe. We were number um, we were number eight or Rhodesia if you're old school. <laughs> we were number eight in news in Zimbabwe and overall all podcasts in the entire nation of Zimbabwe. No, all, of, all, all podcasts all in podcasts the world in the world Zimbabwe. For Zimbabwe, yes. Oh, number ninety okay. number ninety three in the world in Zimbabwe. Well, that's exciting. I think I'll the Church it. Boys tour. We hit Uganda because they yep. loved us first. That's right. And then we jump over to Zimbabwe. I think it, I'm I'm in. I mean, can we just start with AOC? Yes, I want to talk about to. AOC because so, I, this clip has been one of my favorite things of the week. The best, it's gotten me through it's hard. The best times. audio all week. So, do you want to set it up, Biller? Billy? Well, I Biller. Yeah, I guess. So Blah. basically. AOC, you know how she does her wine and dine where she's putting together a table and drinking wine or whatever. Like she God, goes on Periscope and whatever it is. I don't know. And so she shows up on social media and she has a solution to fix the crisis at the USPS. And I that's all I need to say to set it up because her solution is uh, I'm not I I'm going to stop myself. I want, I want everybody to hear the solution first. Okay. Here we go. Hello, everyone. I have been thinking about ways to help you. Okay, just a second. This woman. Hello, everyone. <laughs> do you know what she... Okay, I, I think I said this to you, Belly. She comes across as, you know, a, some girl named, you know, Sheila, and she is the, the vice president of the of the student body in the high school, right? And she has come out with something that's just, like, so totally cool, and it's going to just make everything just, like, awesome in the school. So Like she was just on Bring It On or something exactly. like that. <laughs> She's like the lead cheerleader. Yeah. yeah. What's wrong with this woman? I mean, you, you listen to her speaking. You go, how many boxes of wine has she had today? All right. Hello, everyone. I have been thinking about ways <laughs> to help you help the post office. And I think I've got an idea and I'm interested in hearing your thoughts. So one of the best ways to support the post office is to buy stamps. What do you all think? Would you guys be down and excited if I set up a national progressive pen pal program, um, do all the work of connecting you to somebody else? We would offer maybe some conversation prompts or postcard prompts and even like a printable postcard format. You just send it out. Uh, Would you guys be down? Do you like that idea? Okay. So in case you missed it, her solution for saving the post office would you guys be down and excited if I set up a national progressive pen pal program? Why is it only the wait the why is it only a progressive pen pal program? That's the other thing about the outside of the general issue itself. Why? Let's just talk about the management of that. 
Like, how many things can... I mean, if the whole postal service is having problems managing mail, AOC by herself and, like, with her team of, you know, I don't know, however many people she has on her her, her team is going to help orchestrate for all progressives in, the Mer- in America. They're going to connect them with a pen pal? It's a nightmare. I mean, I... Sign me up. She even said she's trying to understand the what are these prompts going to be? Right. Well, and she and she talked about having pre-made cards. Like all you have to do is send it. So who's but who's paying for all of? I don't even want to know. We're paying for it. Take a guess who's paying for it. Well, I, I just it just makes and listen. I, I know she means well. I know that it's she means well. She wants to. She said that as if this is like I just like I solved it. Well, Guys, I, I mean, just want to let you know, like I solved it. It's, it's got, when you I look out at the country, for this world. When you look out at the country, though, I mean, this is something that I feel like I, we are so far gone at moments where I'm like, of course, everyone wants a national progressive postcard. Have you guys ever had a pen pal? I, I did. did, but I just I was really bad up. at it. Where did you, where was your pen pal at? I don't remember. I think I had one in Pennsylvania, maybe or something. I don't. Oh, remember. mine was in another country. Oh, really? No, I was somewhere in the Argentina. No, but I was it didn't it last long. But, no, <laughs> it was not. But we have actually, you know, like the kids write letters. They they draw pictures, really, but yeah. to other kids in other countries through like a sponsorship program. So like kinda, the World I Vision guess it's thing. Kind yeah. of a pen pal. I had a pen pal in uh, Paraguay. No, Uruguay, <laughs> who was a. Um, he was an American. Uh, his dad was a missionary down there. And so, like, I'd see him, like, once a year at our church. You still talk? And then I wrote to him. You know what? I thought about looking him up. I got to really think about his last name. His first name is Timothy. Timothy, if you're if you're listening, I'd like to get reconnected. Wait, Timothy? Oh, yeah, there's okay. a lot of Timothy, so you should be good. Yeah. You'll find okay. him very yeah. easily. No problem. Uh, Surely he's a listener. I'm sure he's a listener. Especially if he I lives mean, in Zimbabwe. He'd be all right. He'd be all right. right. He'd find yeah, him. Yeah, he could be a missionary in Zimbabwe he now. Could be. Yeah, absolutely. And that yeah. could be where all our listeners are coming from. I think this pin pal thing has some merit. I, well, you, I do not. She and put this I out there as a serious. She put it out there as a serious anything. idea. Now, here's here's what's going to happen. Here's what she's going. What it's going to be. She's going because she's going to want because nobody in their right mind is going to go. Well, sure, I'll be a pin pal and, and start writing letters because that's asinine. What she's going to do is she's going to wind up having to make these cards and it's going to have little pictures on it that they can color and it's like do you one of those. Because she's Sheila, the the vice president of the high school, she's going to have, would you like to go to the prom, check yes or Why no kind of Sheila? stuff. Why have we settled on that being a Sheila? Doesn't she, doesn't it kind of come across as a Sheila? It, more like a Karen. I, I don't, I think that this postcard See, thing is going to turn Karen's very too quickly. old a name. It's got to be a Sheila, right? I mean, isn't I Karen an old name? It doesn't got to be, but I, if you say it's a, um, well, actually, we have a very special guest coming on the show, and she is whose name is, is neither Sheila is she, nor is she Karen. here. Yes. So should no. we wheel her in now, or do we want to wheel her in after the intro? Let's wheel her in after the intro. Okay. When we come back, let me te- let me explain. All right. When we come back, we are going to have Abby Johnson on the show, which I'm very excited about. So we will be right back after the intro rolls. So roll it, ladies and gentlemen. Hello. Billy Hollowell. Hey, does this suit make me look fat? It's not what he said, you ignorant wretch. Chris Field. Bad guy in little gold. Let me tell you why I suck. Lucas Miles. I want you to forget what you saw here today. Aw, I've interrupted happy time. The Church Boys. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I hate these guys. So we are back with the Church Boys, and I'm very, very excited today to have our guest on, Abby Johnson. How are you? I am doing great. How are you guys? I'm good. Did you get to hear our show intro? Did you get to enjoy that I and did, hear that? I did. I really, I <laughs> I'm really sorry. liked it, and it's way better than my show's intro. So well, I, I like your I like your show's intro. So we're going to guess. Uh, let me guess. I'm, Billy I'm designed your like, show intro. I'm feeling like you've let me down a little. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it was Good Billy. Call. I Good knew call. it. I, you know, it is true. I mean, well, we'll have to talk about that, which actually we have to talk <laughs> about your show, too. You have got Abby, you're all over the place this week. So you've got and next. Week, you got a lot going on. Um, but the big exciting thing, the really cool thing, which you've been talking about and it's been out there now and I've seen a lot of stories on it, is that you are going to be speaking at the RNC. Correct. I am. 
Yeah. So that's huge. How did that, how did that come about? Um, well, I, I know it came out for me. I was, um, I was in Walmart buying school supplies for my kids and, um, I got a call from Trump's people, some people with Trump and, um, just pretty, just pretty casually <laughs> they called me and, um, they're like, Hey, you know, are you interested? And I was like, I guess. <laughs> like stuffing crayons into your into your like uh, car trying to get notebooks. Yeah, I was, like, I was like, can you hold, please? I'm trying to find 55 composition notebooks. So, um, yeah. So um, I was like, yeah, I think I can squeeze it into my schedule. And um, yeah, it, I mean, it was it was you know it was unexpected um, for sure. You know, I, I actually, I actually thought Trump and his people hated me. So, um, <laughs> why, why did you think yeah, that? We'll give you that well, impression. They, they totally, I mean, I've been totally ghosted by the administration mm. for years. Like, um, unplanned came out is like this box office hit nothing, like mm. not a word, nothing. Right. Like everybody and their mom has been to the White House to meet Trump. Not me. Like I, I haven't, haven't been either. invited. <laughs> but no, now you get to sneak at the RNC. <laughs> Why not? Right. So I got invited. Listen to this. I got invited to be on the Trump pro life advisory council. And then I got disinvited. <laughs> What you what? got disinvited from it? I got invited one day and disinvited the next day. Like, was that literally yeah. 24 hours? Was it? Was, yes. was that a campaign? Literally 24 hours. They said I was too controversial. Like, Trump's people I'm were worried about you being I'm too controversial. Right. They were worried about <laughs> that with you. They've seen like, your Twitter account. I'm basically thinking like Trump and I are, I mean, really sort of soulmates. Okay, and I'm too <laughs> controversial. So, I mean, I thought they hated me. I thought these people hated me. And um, but lo and behold, as I'm shopping for school supplies, I find out that I, they want me to speak for the RNC. So I, you know, I'm I'm excited. Are you telling this story at the RNC? I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I wish I had that much time, but um, so I'm not. You have been you've been a Trump. So you've been supportive of Trump and and you've talked a lot about because the critique is you can't be a one issue voter. Right. People will say this. You can't be a one issue voter. There's so many other issues, you know, and but you've addressed that. And and we've talked a lot about it. And I think I think you've got a great response to it. How do you respond to those who are like, listen, it's not worth being a one issue voter. There are other things that matter outside of abortion. I mean, I, I can't think of any other ma any other issues that matter if you aren't alive. Yeah. I mean, if you aren't living, taxes don't matter. If you aren't living, LGBT rights don't matter. If you aren't living, healthcare doesn't matter. I mean, we can talk about, we can talk about, you know, marginalized groups of people all day long. We can talk about vulnerable groups of people all day long, but I mean, it's pretty undebatable, but th that the most marginalized group of people, the most marginalized group of human beings on the planet are those in the womb. They are absolutely defenseless. They cannot defend themselves in any way, shape or form. Yet they are the most targeted in our society for death. And the largest demographic and as well from that standpoint. So, I mean, you know, people are like, oh, but Abby, you know, don't you care about the economy? And I'm like, I do care about the economy. And maybe we wouldn't be in such economic crisis all the time if we hadn't aborted 60 million taxpayers in the past 48 years. I mean, I pretty, I, like, I can pretty much link just about any issue back to abortion. Hmm. I mean, it's just, it's a core issue for me. It's a core part of who we are as Christians. It's a core part of who we are as conservatives. And it just, I, I mean, for me, I just feel like if you want to talk about rehumanizing 
various groups of marginalized individuals, I don't think we're going to start seeing the rehumanization of anybody until you start rehumanizing the largest group of marginalized persons. Hmm. And I think it's sort of, I think it starts to trickle out. I don't think it goes the opposite way. Why do you, why do you think, cause it's interesting as you're saying that, right? We talk about abortion, we talk about these issues and it's so disturbing how willing people are to excuse abortion, not only excuse it, shout it, endorse it. You lived in that world. I mean, you worked for Planned Parenthood for a long time. And so coming out of that world, can you help people understand that mindset? Like, what is it that leads people to be able to dismiss it and defend it to the level that we see, which is what leads to the dehumanization issues that you're talking about? Well, I think by and large, I think we're dealing with people who have gone through abortions. I mean, and I, I, I say that a lot. I mean, you know, it's easy for us to get all like, you know, angry and, and rightly so and passionate about, you know, these issues, especially on social media. I mean, we show the worst of ourselves on social media. Um, but we get, you know, we get passionate. We get fired up about these issues, of course. I mean, people are on the line. Babies are on the line. Of course, we're, we're upset about this. But, um, you know, I think that, I, I mean, I always try to keep in mind that, like, when somebody comes at me real hard about abortion, I always make the assumption in my mind, especially if they're a woman, a woman that they have had an abortion themselves. Mm. I mean, when we're talking about 60 million recorded abortions since 1973, that's recorded. Okay. That means there's a whole lot more. There's millions more that have gone unrecorded. So 60 million recorded abortions. That means that there's probably around 45 million women alive today who have suffered through an abortion. And that means there's probably an, around an equal number of men who have gone through an abortion, who have paid for an abortion, who have been involved in an abortion in some way, shape or form. So, I mean, we are living in a society. We are, we are walking around among hurting people, wounded people. And a lot of times these people who are, are they're just spewing anger and they're spewing hate and they're so, so mad or spewing venom. Their anger is actually hurt but they just don't see the difference. Mm. Mm. And so, you know, I, I mean, I don't, I need to look up who actually said this quote because I say it all the time. Um, <laughs> but there's a, there's a quote that says, you know, you may be the only Bible that someone reads. Right. And, and so, you know, I always just tell people like, and I mean, I suck at it sometimes too, because I get really passionate. I'm like, Oh my gosh, you're such an idiot. How do you not get this? You know? But, we have to be really cognizant of the fact that there's just a lot of, a lot, a lot of hurting people walking around among us and they, and they walk around silently, many of them. And so they, they justify their support of abortion because of their own sin, because of their own past, mm. because of their own hurt. Yep. That's helpful. Abby. So um, we connected last on the set of unplanned. I was there for a little bit and you were on my show, the Lucas miles show, um, the less crazy podcast that I do. Uh, So let's, let's talk for a moment. I've been a Trump supporter and I'm using the minority on that position, uh, you know, on uh, in many circles that I run in. Um, But let's say that God forbid Biden wins in November. What do you think that that does? How does that impact, um, pro-life movement? How does that impact abortions? You know, what's the danger in a Biden presidency? So, all right, that's a great question. And one that we're not talking about enough, honestly. Um, Okay. So what happens? So first of all, um, probably one of the biggest things at stake right now um, is state law, the the overturning of state laws. So, um, you know, he could decide that a Biden presidency could essentially overturn every pro-life state gain that has ever been made. So all of the state gains to defund uh, Planned Parenthood and abortion facilities at the state level, which about half of the states in the United States have done that successfully, um, that would be almost immediately overturned. Um, Of course, we would begin funding uh, abortions globally. 
um, with tax money. Um, there would be an expansion of um, access funds internationally to expand uh, abortion worldwide. Um, and, 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 you know, we would be funding that, of course, our taxpayers, would be, tax dollars would be funding that. Um, of course, you know, something that, you know, uh, I don't think people understand enough uh, is Supreme Court justices. I mean, you look at our Supreme, I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ruth Bader Ginsburg, are we witnessing a weekend at Bernie's here? I mean, <laughs> I'm not even sure. Okay. So there's I, some biotech at least happening. So no, for, for okay. sure. Um, I don't know if people are propping her up or what, but listen, I, I can't imagine why you'd be too controversial for uh, you know, the administration to consider. So, I mean, here's the thing though, like he's gotta be 125 and she is on her way out. We all know that, yeah. right? And there are, you know, there are other super oldies on the Supreme Court. And, um, you know, we are probably looking within the next four years, uh, we're, we're probably looking at, at two more uh, Supreme Court openings. So a Biden uh, Supreme Court, Biden Supreme Court, uh, nominees would, of course, uh, only solidify Roe, and we probably wouldn't have another chance to successfully overturn Roe and Doe. I mean, honestly, uh, none of us would be alive to see it. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it would probably be in another, I don't know, 50 to 60 years. So do you think there's um, a, do you think there's a legitimate, legitimate chance if, 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 uh, if Breyer and Ginsburg were to retire and be replaced and Trump has an opportunity to replace, do you think there is actually a chance of Roe being overturned with Roberts as the chief and uh, not Kavanaugh? Who's, who was the other for Gorsuch? Gorsuch. Do you think that there, do you think there's a chance of Roe being overturned? Yes. Okay. Abs I absolutely do. If, if uh, we don't even need Roberts, if, if Trump is reelected, and we have two two openings on the Supreme Court. Both of them liberal openings. That's right, two liberal openings, which I believe they would be. Then we've got two, and Trump puts two pro-life justices on the Supreme Court. Then we absolutely have a majority, and I believe it will be it will be the only time in our lifetime in the four of us in our lifetime that we will ever have an opportunity to overturn Roe and Doe. So and I believe it so, would happen. So you're counting Kavanaugh as one of the five then? Yes. So you, cause I don't trust Roberts on it and I'm not sure I trust Gorsuch on it. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. I no, I do trust Gorsuch. Okay. So you think we'd have a For six, sure. you think it'd be a six, three. Oh, I don't trust Roberts. Right. But you would have Alito and Thomas. You'd have Trump's two new guys. Plus Kavanaugh mm -hmm. and Gorsuch? I think I think Kavanaugh. Okay. I trust Gorsuch over Kavanaugh. Oh, you do? Okay. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the public's perception of this is is slowly changing. You're seeing because of technology, and, all, and we've talked a lot about this, but, but people sort of taking this turn and, and looking at the issue and realizing, I mean, most Americans, and, and I think most Americans don't know this, the majority of the country would actually cap abortion at three months, including pro-choice people, right? So when you start to have those conversations, Planned Parenthood loves the stats that show, oh, nobody wants to overturn Roe. Well, because of how you're asking the question, if you start getting specific and really talking about right. capping an abortion, nobody wants it to happen after three months, pretty much. So, um, there's a lot to unpack here. We're going to have to have you back again to talk about, about all this, but I want to transition to something that I'm excited about, and it's a project that we're working on. Abby, you have a new podcast coming, and it's coming in like a week, and it's called, I love the title, Politely Rude with Abby Johnson. So what can people expect from this podcast? Um, well, they, they can expect... Um they can expect me talking, being very real 
uh, as if I'm never not that being um, politely rude, politely rude is what politely you'll be rude. Um, but just, you know, giving, giving the real scoop on, uh, not just life issues, but life issues, right. That's sort of my wheelhouse. Um, but you know, also talking about other issues. I mean, you know, we've got to, uh, you know, talking about issues that directly or indirectly affect life issues. I mean, look, I recognize that, uh, abortion is a symptom of a, a gross attack on the family that's taking place in our camp, in our country. And, uh, we've got to talk more about that. And I plan on talking about that a lot, uh, on my show. I plan on getting people real riled up. I plan on getting a lot of hate mail, um, even more than I do right now. Do you get uh, a lot now? Do you get a lot of hate mail now? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> a lot of people comment about my eyebrows. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what's wrong with my eyebrows. Um, I expect to get more comments about my eyebrows. Billy, have you ever gotten any hate mail about your eyebrows before? I mean, no. No, I've gotten other, other things. Other though. than from Chris? So, which is surprising because he gets a ton of hate mail. I, I, I used to. Hate mail. I get a lot of hate mail about my eyebrows. And I... <laughs> I've asked my hairdresser, what do I need to do with my eyebrows? She says, I don't know. You have perfect eyebrows. I, I'm, it make, they make me, they make me feel self-conscious. Well, when people are writing you <laughs> mail about it, I mean, AOC, if she got her postcard thing going, you know, her pen pal thing, we were talking about that before, right? you might get even more of, of that hate mail. So let's hope that doesn't happen. Um, yeah. So I don't, my eyebrows do seem to be a, a common topic of discussion for abortion <laughs> supporters. I think <laughs> I think you need to rework. I haven't seen the logo for the podcast yet, but I think just you peering over something <laughs> with your just eyebrows. My it's a yes. great logo. I actually like your logo a I lot. And so it. you're you're going to talk, you're going to talk about life, you're going to talk about I mean, everything, right? Parenting a little yeah, bit. I'm going to talk being I'm going to talk about being a mom, you know? Uh just real talk about being a mom. I have eight freaking kids. Every oh, time okay? you say that, I shudder like, because I have two and I have I'm eight like, kids. Yeah, it's terrifying. I have so many kids. Are they all yours? <laughs> I mean, like, I, like you didn't adopt? No, I mean, They're... I just pick them up. <laughs> driving around. Just randomly at the but store. Did you, did you, like, hey, do you have you a vehicle you that fits all did you, of them? Did you adopt? Yeah. Do you drive a no, Sherman tank? We do have one okay. uh, that is adopted. Okay. Okay. Um, a little boy who is adopted. And um, and the rest uh, came right out of my body. What are their age ranges? They are 13, oh. 8, 7, 6, 5, 3, 3, and 1. There are twins. So yeah. that, <laughs> that wow. makes it easier. Wow. <laughs> and I mean, you're like all over the place. And I'm always admiring you because I I don't know how you do it. You travel, you speak, you're speaking at the RNC, you're doing the podcast. You have a lot going on, but you're always so calm and measured. So I, I have to hand it to you. We need to only hear your advice. Only when she's on camera. <laughs> you should see me when the cameras are off. No. Oh, I bet. Those <laughs> eyebrows. These eyebrows. No, I the eyebrows just go on red alert. <laughs> so, do we get uh, do we get any sort of a sneak peek at that RNC uh, speech? Yeah. What are you talking? about? What are you going to say? I, you know, I'm talking about all the things. I I I have five minutes, guys. So I feel, uh, you know, super. I felt a lot of pressure to make the most provocative, impassioned, memorable, pro-life five-minute speech ever made. I think I did a pretty good job. I think I, I've, I've, I wrapped it up. I got approval today, which is good since I'm pre-recording tomorrow. Um, so I got it. I got approval. I think it's pretty good. Uh, I read it to my friend and she got all verklempt and teary-eyed when okay. I read it to her. So I think it's good. It's pretty graphic. That's that's my um, my little teaser for you. It is graphic. I, you know, I, I you know, I was talking to my husband and I said they could have asked a lot of people. I mean, there's a lot of great pro-life speakers out there and they asked me. And the only thing that's different between me and every other pro-life speaker out there is that I have a, a very different lived experience. And part of that lived experience is seeing an abortion mm. and um being a part of abortion and, and having a very real tangible experience with abortion. And, um, when I said that to one of Trump's speech writers, 
she said, that's exactly right. And that's why you were asked. And that's what we want you to talk about. And so um, I asked, I said, can I get crap? Can I get graphic? And she said, absolutely, you can. <laughs> so uh, I'm pretty excited about that. I mean, I feel like um, people are going to listen to this five minute speech and they're going to walk away and they're not going to ever be able to say, wow, we had no idea. Yeah. Um, that, you know, those things happen during an, during abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to, they're going to know. You've done a number of things before we let you go here. I just, you know, the, the live ultrasound in New York city, which was very unique, right? Doing that with all those people there and showing people what, and I think a lot of people don't know what does an unborn baby look like? You did that. You've done the book unplanned. You did the movie unplanned where you did show it in that film. They showed in your story, very graphic details of what happens. And I think you can't watch that and not walk away being like, oh my gosh, you know, I never knew what that was really like. And now you're going to give this speech. So I appreciate that you are willing to do things that maybe have not been done before in this arena to help people understand what really goes on. So thank you for that. Yeah. Well, I I like doing it. Hey, I like shocking people. (laughs) Well, shocking is sometimes how you make change, right? With the right intention. Well, I like I like shocking people into uh, I like shocking people out of their apathy. Right. There you go. Right. And, and into action and whatever it takes. So, well, listen, Abby, we are looking forward to your RNC speech and your podcast launching next yes. week. What, what uh, day it'll be on edify.app. What day is the first so, episode? Next Wednesday. Uh, and it will I be believe. weekly, yeah. daily, a couple times weekly. a week. Okay, weekly. Okay, cool. Weekly. I'm excited about it. Well, Abby, thanks so much for coming on today. We appreciate it. Welcome Thank back you anytime. Guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Well, that was great. Gone, that now was we can, awesome. Now we can talk about her and her eyebrows. I'm you know, people are so crazy. <laughs> they are mean. stupid. Can we talk about this? Like like, but that's what people do. They go after things that they try Especially to make. Especially you... when they can't out argue or yep. out right. like smart somebody. And I think that says something about you know, her ability to kind of um, debate the topic and just the dialectic that she would use for this. I think that that allows her to, you know, really uh, stand out and that if somebody is resorting to, you know, starting to poke fun at body image, if that's all that they have, then, you know, I think you won. Um, well, as somebody who gets um, her eye back, eyebrows waxed, Lucas, can you tell me? Uh, <laughs> okay, first of all, I am still going by a male pronoun, even though I get my eyebrows. Oh, did waxed. I say she? Whoa, I'm whoa, sorry. Wait, 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 wait. Have we talked about this? You get your eyebrows waxed? We did. Well, I don't know we if we talked, talked about, about it, on but air. you blocked it out because it was horrifying. It is, it is, so it is you... horrific. <laughs> so yeah, I do get my eyebrows waxed. You know what I used to do? Fall I'll asleep? When you, did you fall asleep when you get your eyebrows waxed? I I have fallen asleep before. It's pretty comfortable. You lay down for it, but uh, I've gotten my nose waxed before. Like, oh, that like sounds awful. So they put it like right inside oh. and then they just yank it all at once. It's actually not that bad. I would highly recommend it. I wouldn't. Is there something wrong with you? Um, a, I was going to say, though, thing? in a serious note, because this is a really shame. This is a real shame that we took Abby's great interview into my eyebrows here. But <laughs> this is what makes this show so wonderful. But I will say like, and this this probably, I feel like that this is going to sound rude or crass or something, but I mean it politely rude if if nothing else is that um abby's like the david copperfield of the pro-life movement yeah. i mean she yeah. has she I, I i forgot all of the innovative things that she's done until you started mentioning some of those things you know yeah the and, ultrasound in the middle of that's, you know that's huge and the you know the film everything else so like this is i think she's really an underrepresented or under celebrated innovator in that space in can i mention two other things ways. please can i interrupt you to mention two other yeah she doesn't get attention for these things and i want to mention them because i think they're really important um she has a couple of nonprofits, and one of them what she does i don't know if you've seen this a girl will write into her and say i'm pregnant i'm scared i don't have anything and within an hour abby will go out and fill a registry like she'll go out to people and be like here's the link to this registry everybody buys stuff for this girl that's cool. and she's constantly doing this they have a 1-800 number um for it's a crisis line that they run for women who need help who need to be connected with resources you know she she really wants to fill the gap areas and so a lot of times people hear the funny things she says or the you know provocative things she said but they don't actually see 
Pro Love Ministries, what they're doing there. She has a 500 people, just to get a sense right. of this. It's, it's higher than that now. 500 people she has helped leave the abortion industry. They contact wow. her and they connect them to other jobs and resources so that they can actually get out. So there's a lot going on there. And I, and we'll have to have her back sometime to yeah. talk about some of that. You know, I was on set, um, I think, two days uh, for Unplanned um, in Oklahoma when it filmed. Uh, interviewed her down there, spent some time. Um, and the I had never, I mean, maybe since I was a kid, I had never, like, been to a um, sort of a pro-life, like, active uh, outside of an abortion clinic, you know, sort of... Uh, um, uh, rally or protest or whatever you want to call that um, outreach. And just about two weeks ago, we have a film project with my with my company, Miles Media, that we're that we're doing that we're working alongside a pro-life organization in our region. And so we actually sent a team and filmed uh, outside of this abortion clinic to really show what the workers uh, in the pro-life movement are doing to minister to people that came through. And it was it was so spot on to what you see in Unplanned. I mean, people using umbrellas to, you know, shield people yelling in your face, you know, filming you with, you know, cell phones and yelling at you, playing loud music and all this sort of stuff. So you couldn't talk. I mean, it was it was spot on. So, I mean, they just it, she's she's an innovator. I'm excited about the show. And, yeah, definitely need to have her back. Well, I love yeah. I love that the idea of the the gift registry because one of the things that conservatives, pro-lifers, I should say, are often accused of is not caring about the baby after it's born or about the mother. It's like, no, we care. That's why. I mean, that's why she does that kind of a ministry, that kind of a nonprofit, is because yeah, that's those are the things that we actually do care about. They can say it all along, just because we don't support you know big government policies to take care of people. That doesn't mean that we don't seek to to help people in those situations. Exactly. Exactly. We just so, do it yeah, on a people private should level. head over to her website. It's proloveministries.org and you can get all the information over there I and mean, you can volunteer. There's all, all different kinds of projects. I think they were even launching some education stuff too. I mean, mm. they're really really um they yeah, Loveline. That's the number they have. Uh they also do conferences, pro-life women's conference. Um and then they also do healing conferences for these people who have come out of the industry. We had a show um, on Pureflix called Beautiful Lives that Abby hosted, and they were stories of these women who she's helped come out of the industry and find healing. And some of these women, you know, one was a Christian. She had worked in the abortion industry, became a Christian later um, as a nurse, and it took decades for her to find somebody she was afraid to talk about it, who she could talk to and open up to. So there's a lot of cool stuff going on that I think she deserves um, credit in that I want more people to help make more of it happen, right? right so. Um, all right. Well, and I don't. Should see, we and, take a break? And she she talked about how she they have to they have to scream not scream but she she's being very vivid in her in her yeah. in her speech, which I'm all for. Right? I'm not one of those guys who's a big supporter of the guys out there with posters of aborted babies. Yep. That that I'm not a big yeah. fan of. That that I don't think that that's helpful. But she's it's what you guys knew who Flannery O'Connor was. She's a great an yeah. author and right. She was a, actually a believer as well. And one of the things that I remember reading that she had said was to the heart, uh, to the heart of hearing, you must shout to the nearly blind or whatever. You must draw large, startling images, right? Mm. That's exactly what you have to do when, when people can't hear and aren't hearing, you have to speak up a little bit louder. You have to change. You have to make things startling in order to get snap people out of their, you know, well, and, and we have to take a break here in a moment, but I do think, you know, like the Bible tells us you're, you are going to be blind that, you know, the enemy has blinded people, people who are, you know, who don't have Christ, they are not seeing clearly. So that helps me sometimes to remember that. Yeah, there's a lot. I thought it was important to what she said, the anger and the frustration adding to that, too, that people might have a history that makes them angry and actually defend abortion, but also remembering that people are not seeing clearly yeah. and. And they really believe they're doing the right thing. They really believe they're helping other. And I think it's important to remember that because it helps how we engage with those people to try to help them change that perspective, but to realize they're not, they don't feel like it's an evil, malicious thing to kill an unborn child. And that is so hard for me to wrap my head around. Yeah. What I, I did want to mention one more Abby thing because All this right. thing stuck with when she thought about it, she's like, I shouldn't say this thing about the Supreme Court justice, but she went for it anyway. <laughs> oh, and Chris, you almost lost oh, it. I did. I thought I was gonna, <laughs> I was so proud of her. All right, yeah, uh, that is that's what's in your heart. It's called okay. garbage in your heart, we not in hers. We yours. had a couple more, we had a couple more items on our on our show prep list, yes. right? And one of them was the Prager thing. We can end on the on the God testing <laughs> Trump thing. So yeah, the, the Prager the, thing the Prager, so is that the Dennis, 
the Dennis Prager, um, he was responding to a, a uh-huh. question somebody wrote into his show about yep. God, removing right. God in society and what that does to culture. And it's interesting. He he has consistently, obviously, anybody who knows Dennis Prager made the claim that you really can't be moral or good as a society without God, right? That that what is there at the core without without God? And um, I'm going to just read part of his. Well, can I, qu- I, I clipped it. I clipped his. Oh, you response. have the audio. I have awesome. the audio. I have, it's most of it. I had to clip it into, uh, for time, but okay. Let's, so let's this is his that. answer to that question. Why do we have laws in general? Why are there any moral laws? Why are there laws about theft? If people are going to be so good without, uh, without religion, wh- why do we have any laws at all? People could figure out you don't, you don't cheat your uh, fellow person in a business dealing. If you get extra uh, money back or they added your bill up incorrectly, you, you tell them. I mean, the, the naivete that, that is involved here is stupefying. I'm wonderful. I don't need a code. I don't need a judge. Whether I'm judged or not, ultimately, I will be such a fine human being. There is no need for a judge, but there is a need for a judge for all of life. You want to see the results of the of the death of God and religion? Take a look at Europe when Christianity died. We got fascism, Nazism, and communism. That doesn't mean every single European became a fascist, Nazi, or communist, but that's what we got. You want to see the uh, you want to see the death of God and religion? Take a look at uh, at Chicago. Take a look at uh, at Minneapolis. Take a look at Seattle. These are not religious people. It's an amazing thing to me that people don't uh, don't realize the the consequences of the death of, of of a lawgiver and divine judge of behavior and this is not to guarantee that everybody who believes in god and religion is good unfortunately a lot aren't i agree with that there's no guarantee of goodness it's very hard to make good people that's the point there you go mm. lucas resident pastor i first of all i love prager i just think that you know, I, I wish that most pastors could speak the way that he does. And, you know, um, I, I think that it's his level of understanding of philosophy, of culture, uh, I think is so crucial. And, you know, it's, it, you know, we, we've kind of, most of us have heard kind of the, the, the Nietzsche, you know, God is dead uh, sort of sentiments. But, you know, it started, you know, it started long before that. There was a guy named Ludwig uh, Feuerbach who, was sort of a precursor to Marx. Marx, uh, you know, kind of contradicted some of his things, but embraced a lot of others. And, you know, one of the statements basically that he made was that the most, uh, to be truly religious is to be atheistic. And essentially that if you fully understand religion, you'll understand that there is no God and we are the divine. And it kind of like, it, that's that's the whole push of the left. It is that we want to get to the place to where we are making ourselves God. But the problem is there's no goodness in us. There's no, you know, the moment you lose God, there's no guidance for morals. That's all, you know, this is what I think. This is what you think, which one of us is right. And it becomes completely, you know, moral relative, relative. uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's the effect of the eyebrow waxing. That's right. (laughs) But, yes, I but that's so. but that's been that's been mankind's problem from the very beginning, right? 100%. Man, we want to right. be God, right? Right. That's why yep. we are always thinking, well, God can't do this because this isn't how I would react. Plus, well, because you think you're God and you would like to play God. Yes. So I go yeah. ahead, Billy. No, I I was just thinking. I think you know I, I'm looking at the Democratic Party platform. You know, the other night, and I did a video for the first, which is not out yet, where I was talking about the fact that. Yeah, you go through the platform, and I and I want you feel free to push back on this, but you go through the platform, and the word God only appears one time, and it and it has nothing to do with God. It's sort of it's like God given. That's the term, God given whatever rights or whatever. So it's sort of a cop out. It's like great, yes, you're saying God's given us these rights. There's no mention of Lord or anything else or Almighty. Um, but I start searching other terms because I'm just curious, and they and they're appearing 19 times, 20 times in the platform. And it becomes very clear, everything you just said, Lucas, where this platform stands, the worldview that it is built around. And so I got a lot of pushback when I tweeted about this because people are like, we're not a theocracy, you know, all the typical things. But I'll just say this and then I'll shut up and let you let you talk, Chris. But at the end of the day, a, pl- a party platform is actually 
it, it's the collection of beliefs that you have that comp that comprise a worldview. It's your worldview. And so if your party platform has no mention at all of anything above you and it's all about the self, then to me, that is one of the most problematic and scary things. You can say the Republicans are lying. They're using it to manipulate. Well, I don't really care. The platform is pretty clear that they believe that there is something above them, at least on paper. They believe yeah. that. So anyway, I'll well, shut it was, up. But it, this is where I start to get torn because I, I, I agree with what Prager's saying because he's saying without a moral, you can't have a, a moral law without a moral law giver. Right. I mean, there's there has to be a basis in it. And we are not moral enough on our own. In fact, we are immoral to be able to create a moral law of our own. Right. Right. I mean, that's do we agree on that? I think that's yes. what he's yeah. that's what he's getting to. And we can never be good enough ever. Right. I, I don't know if you guys are Andy Stanley fans or not. I know there's a lot of controversy sometimes about him, but he had a great little book that I think that everyone should read. And that is how good how, how good is good enough. Right. And you've probably read that, uh, Lucas. Billy doesn't read, but. I, no, nobody has time except but, for Lucas. But, but, it, answers, so I'm sure <laughs> but it answers. But it answers. It 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 forces people to think about the question of, I'm can't, I'm good enough to go to heaven, right? And yeah. the, the, believing that they're going to heaven without believing in God or Jesus or whatever. And so it's a very interesting discussion. But it's a reminder that we can never be good enough. It's only God's grace and God's love and mercy that makes it possible for us to have a relationship to Him and ultimately get to heaven. I, so it's God's God. It's God working in us through our relationship with Christ that will make us good. How do we help? I'll just, Prager's Jewish, right? He has a recognition of where our moral law comes from and the morality, the, the morality that we all kind of, at least in Western civilization, can agree on, right? But how do you square that with the rejection of who Christ is? is with the understanding of of of, of becoming a, a better a better person right there's always there's always certain strides you can make along the way to be good right because god continues to work on your heart even before you know jesus i i believe that god starts to work on you right there are times that he but without christ you're never good enough so how do we square all first of all i think that anybody championing anything that points us to god um, and away from the elevation of self yeah. is something that, that, that's a good thing. It doesn't mean that you okay. have to, you know, identify with every single aspect. I mean, there's been plenty of, uh, secular, uh, philosophers and, and, uh, um, figures along the way that Christianity has always drawn from, right. uh, to, to say that there were certain things that were revealed about the world. I mean, uh, most of the early uh, um, uh, Christians in first, second, third, fourth, fifth century, and on were, you know, what were con would be considered Neoplatonists. They right. looked at Plato, who was not a Christian, right. and they gr drew stuff out of there. Exactly. I've never, you know, first of all, I have a lot of respect for Prager. I've shared a stage with him before uh, during uh, uh, when they launched um, um, the film No Safe Spaces. Mm -hmm. Moderated a panel uh, with him and Mark Joseph. Uh, just have the utmost respect for him. I've never heard Prager say. Uh, anything whatsoever disparaging about Christians, about right. Christ. If anything, you would think he is a Christian. And there's some days where I wonder if yeah. he is. You know, I've never, I, I I've it. never I heard him not acknowledge Christ. I've just heard him acknowledge his, 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 his Jewishness. Yeah. Um, you know, in that, in that, you know, capacity. But, but um, I think that he's somebody that really understands the gospel. And, you know, honestly, if you look at the Old Testament and you are really, we have very few examples today, and this statement might get me in trouble. I might need to, um, you know. Oh, I know. hope you get canceled. Go. I know. Three, I, two, you know, one. there are very few examples today of, we have a lot of examples of people who are Jewish. We have very few examples of people that are practicing a Hebraic, you know, Old Testament yeah. Hebrew Bible Judaism. And the, there is almost a new religion that's been born out of progressive leftism uh, that is this sort of leftist Judaism. And it really has nothing to do with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you know, uh, you know, this sort well, of. Well, that's God happened of, in Christianity, too. It's happened oh, yeah, in Christianity, absolutely. too. Totally yeah. fair. Totally fair. And so we've seen that leftism on both sides. I think that Prager would acknowledge that and has. Um, but I think that he's somebody that identifies with a 
with a biblical view of the God of the Old Testament at the least. And so it, it makes it very, um, you know, it becomes a very, uh, 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 you know, unique perspective. And I think a, a friendly perspective towards the mission of the church today. And I think that's always been the case when the church is functioning well, is that it finds brotherhood, you know, with what I would call, you know, sort of this true Israel. Yeah. Well, so I want to go back to 2012 when Essie Cup, if you'll remember, Chris, you might remember this. <clears throat> She's an atheist. And, and you know, obviously Essie's saying some different things now than she might have said then. Um, in terms of she's voting for Joe Biden, it seems like, you know, she's been very open about that. But but she had said at the time, um, and I think this is interesting, I have the quote here. She said, I think it was an MSNBC interview, that she would never vote for an atheist president. And it made headlines because yep, I remember. she's an atheist, right? And it was a big deal. And she gave a bunch of reasons. And this speaks to what you were talking about, Chris, but I want to read her quote. She said, I like that there's a check that there's a person in the office that doesn't think he's bigger than the state. I like religion being a check and knowing that my president goes home every night addressing someone above him and not thinking all the power resides right here. Atheists don't have that. And it was a telling comment because, and I think, so to the point of what we were, I would almost say anybody who is acknowledging that there is a God and they're accountable to God. Now, of course, people will debate the merits of that. I think is 25,000 steps ahead of somebody who is saying they don't care if there's a God and they're not particularly interested in trying to find out because who is, again, what is the centerpiece? And we could debate the details of what that God is to that person once we have that conversation, but who defines what is moral? What you're seeing right now is the democratic party is descending into chaos because they have no, there is no baseline for anything. So any issue goes and at some point, that's not sustainable. Obviously, we know this. Right. So, anyway, I think that I thought that quote was great back then, and I wonder. I'm actually gonna have. We should have her on this podcast. Actually, yeah, absolutely. We should. We should have her on. Have you ever met her, Lucas? No, I haven't. I really, I, I really like her personally. Yes, I, I like her too. Personally, really like her. Let's do it. Let's get her on. Yeah, she's great, and she'd probably school all three of us. Even oh, if she's we way smarter than me. I mean, yeah, everybody uh, way smarter than me for sure. So, um. <laughs> So I, the the other thing, you know, tr- can we just talk about my Trump? Because when my Trump, I'm just gonna start calling him my Trump because this was my actually Trump. one my of. And I had to text, my lovely. Sorry, what? We'll call him my love. Let's just say that um, when Trump talks about his conversations with God, which is a new thing. I also right? have, you have this, a clip for this. I also have this clip. So why don't you oh, just, just play, play the clip? Yeah, I'd love to hear it. Just play. Okay, just play. So. But I want to just set. But, He's talking about, Chris, you set it up because I won't get through it without He's giving a longer speech. Remember how last week we talked about, um, um, no religion, no anything, (laughs) hurt the Bible, hurt God. He's against God. They're against religion, Bible, God. Okay. So he was having one of his press conferences like that. Like it was a, it was a campaign appearance and he's speaking to folks in, I don't even remember where they were. Were they, was it Minnesota or I don't remember where it was. It might've been Minnesota. I don't know. But he's it's, getting one of those, so it's just going on and on, and it's windy. So he's he's doing a lot of ad libbing because, and he even mentions it. His teleprompters are woo, 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 so he can't focus <laughs> on the teleprompters because they're moving around. So he kind of goes off the rails, not rails, but so he just and he shares his, a prayer that he had to God, a conversation <laughs> yes. he had with God. So he's talking about how why he should be reelected and about the economy, how it brought the economy back. So here's a a, a, a kind of edited version of it. And what we're doing together is nothing short of an economic miracle, and now we're doing it again. We did it. We built the greatest economy in the history of the world, and now I have to do it again. You know what that is? That's right. That's God testing me. said, you know, you did it once. And I said, did I do a great job, God? I'm the only one that could do it. He said, that you shouldn't say. Now we're going to have you do it again. I said, okay, I agree. You got me. But I did it once. And now I'm doing it again. And you see the kind of numbers that we're putting up. They're unbelievable. So what was the the conversation? He said, you know, you did it once. And I said, did I do a great job, God? I'm the only one that could do it. He said, that you shouldn't say. Now we're going to have you do it again. I said, okay, I agree. You got me. (laughs) That's my my favorite part. And I have to give credit to Trump. He realized how ridiculous his conversation with God was. And that God said, nope, now you're going to have to do it again. (laughs) 
I love yeah. it. Here's here's COVID. That brings me You're joy. gonna have to do this again. <laughs> I actually I actually found it. I it was endearing. It, it was endearing. It was endearing. It was showed a moment of actual self awareness. We are all in agreement on that. I think so too. <laughs> I when I heard it, I thought it was just really, you know, to me like it's easy as somebody who's been a pastor for you know uh, 23 years that I've been preaching at some level. Um, started when I was two. Sure. And the, uh, you know, to criticize somebody or to think, oh, that's not how you pray or that's not what this looks like or whatever. But I am, I'm a huge believer that, you know, we have to come to the Lord where we're at. We have to yeah. pray kind of, and, and, you know, I could sit there and kind of criticize and go, well, if Trump had read my book, then he would know that that's not how God tests you and these sorts of, but in his eyes, in his mind, he's seen it that way, yeah. but yet he's still getting truth. And the truth that he heard was, First of all, don't think that you did all this by yourself. And <laughs> second of all, like, don't get ahead of yourself. Like, there's more work to do. And like, yeah. you know, I, I, people have asked me, like, do you think that God, you know, he was really talking to God or whatever? I think that um, I don't think there's any reason to doubt that. And I know a lot of people that have that kind of prayer life with the Lord. And theologically, it doesn't always align with where our, my mind would go. But I think it's a real relationship with God, even though. Uh, it might not always have a you know deeper, mature understanding of scriptural truth. If somebody were to ask me, was he having a conversation with God? There's two answers I think are plausible. One, yeah, and he's talking to Trump the way talk, Trump talks, right? The, yes. the way he understands, he's, yes. because that's how he communicates with us. Yeah, and the other Which is, does make you wonder who Trump is talking right? to. But, and then the yes. other, the other is, <laughs> the other is. <laughs> The, the other thing that I think is a fair thing to say is, is I don't know if he's talking to God or not, but I think right. but I, I know he's process that I like that he's processing it like that. That is at yeah. least entering his consciousness that he that is something he needs to process yeah. and needs to be a part of what he does. Is anybody else concerned for how frustrated God must be during this conversation? <laughs> <laughs> I did it myself. I did it. And it's like it's almost like when my five year old first learned to like pee on a potty a few years back. You know, I did it all myself. <laughs> um, no, I do. I really did like it. I, I don't have a lot to criticize on it. I just find I mean, it very funny. I mean, maybe there was, you know, one Corinthian in there. I don't know. I, maybe there was, you know. Look, there's a lot of language person, that Paul has. Woman, that most man, camera, TV. Sorry. There's a lot of language that Paul has that most Christians would become uncomfortable with where he says like you are my letter and this is my ministry and you know these this sort of thing that that I think a lot of people if they heard that today I mean Paul would have so many people tweeting at him you yeah. know about you know you're you know you're in uh, you know uh, conceit and all this sort of stuff yeah. and I, I just don't care you know I think that yeah, if we have a president so... who's even acknowledging God that's a good day right. and so we start there and it, I feel the same way about Trump as I did with whether it be Bieber or Kanye or whoever is like let's just let's kind of fan where they're at, right. you know, let's, let's, they're starting. So let's fan that. It doesn't mean that they're fully there yet, but we're going to encourage the process. So along those lines, Billy, this week you posted, wasn't it this week, the Roberts, the Phil Robertson thing, was it this week? Yes. Where he talked about that he's given, he tell, tell us what, tell Luke and maybe Lucas has heard, but what, what Roberts, what Phil said about the, the diagram and then where he believes <laughs> Trump's heart is and all this kind of stuff. So give us, give, us, give um, us a little bit. So, my favorite thing about Phil Robertson, he t I make him tell the story every time. I've interviewed him a bunch of times. Every time, like, can you tell the story about when you witnessed to Trump? Um, and he was given a few minutes with Trump, like just like two or three minutes with him. So what did he do beforehand? Phil Robertson gets a napkin or a piece of paper and writes out, like draws out in hieroglyphics the gospel message. Jesus coming down, you know, God coming down, Jesus dying. And he draws it out, doesn't write it out, draws it out. And then as he meets Trump, takes this paper out and he's like, See this here? This is the gospel. He starts presenting it. And so Trump is like, what is this? Like trying to figure it out, asking him questions about it. And at the end of the conversation, after he shows him the diagram, which I wish I had it, oh, I would frame it, it and put it up in my office. Oh. Um, Trump apparently was like, can I keep that paper? That's cool. um, and so he let him keep it. And they they had talked after that. They've talked since. And every and when they've talked, Phil brings up the gospel, brings up Bible verses. And he, he says, have you gotten baptized yet? Have you done that? And Trump's like, I haven't done that yet. You know, but uh, but, uh, you know, he's you got to do that. You got to get baptized. And so he believes, Phil, that Trump is a work in progress. Those are the exact words that he made, but that he has made that commitment. He hmm. believes that firmly. Can you imagine so. a president getting baptized in office? It'd be pretty sweet. I, I mean, cannot that... because I don't know that there's a way to keep the hair in place for that. <laughs> 
This was a okay, Trump is much like myself, where I think he's blessed with just true hair. I don't he think takes, it's fake. Okay, you're insane. He literally takes like a medication to grow his hair. He's admitted this. That, that doesn't matter. It's his not. Ha- have you it's seen attached. the wind? Have it's you attached. Seen- Part of it is attached. Have okay. you not seen the you wind are no him? Okay, I thought we were going to make it through the show without fighting, <laughs> but I'm go. just going to say Here that we go. You, are, you are no better than the people who are tweeting hate mail oh, at Abby Johnson. I'm not attacking. Trump makes fun of his own hair. I'm explaining to you that when the wind comes a-knocking, <laughs> there is... Chris, back me up here. The hair is not affixed it's, entirely. <sighs> right. So I'm fine with that. I'm it not might, criticizing that. It I have might a giant be somewhat of a comb over. I'm just saying it's not. It's not. Somewhat. It, it, it is hair that is attached. <laughs> it to is him, hair attached to his, to his head. Yes. It might grow out the back of his neck and then gets <laughs> wrapped around there. the top. Right. It's like a rust troll. You get I like it. Middle hair and you weave it around. <laughs> you do what you got to do. You know. But I'm not criticizing him for that. I'm just saying I think a water baptism would present some problems with how that hair it could, flows. It could. could. Could be great. I think it's. I think might it's wear a swim, He might wear a, a mega swim cap. I'm going to predict happen, this. I'm, I'm going to predict before this. November it's going to happen. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> it's going to be the October yeah. surprise. He gets baptized. Yes. Just to push us over the edge. Um, All right. That would be that would be something. Would and be. I would actually love for it to happen anytime. But I'd I'd be very fascinated to see it happen it's after gonna, November. Phil's going to be. It's like the yeah. scene in Nacho Libre where uh, Jack Black <laughs> walks up behind. The guy and just throws his head in the bowl. He goes, I baptize you. <laughs> I could see Phil being the one to do it. So Phil's got all these people coming. That was the whole story yeah. to his town from yeah. the podcast. Who li- and they're getting baptized. Like 10 of them had come the day before we did the interview. Regardless, I'm any- actually doing two baptisms on Sunday. I, and your oh, wife put a wow. picture up of a baptism that you did. Was it recent? That was a sweet uh, picture. It was a sweet picture. No, that was a couple of years back, okay. but it was a uh, it was a pretty cool picture. That is a yeah, great photo. Of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you think beautiful. we're gonna be like ranking in Africa again? Oh, I guarantee today? it. Oh yeah. I think that. I mean, I don't think there's any. Re- if I heard us when and I was living in Zimbabwe, I would tune in again. Right, last absolutely. week I would never tune in again, but this week I, we're on <laughs> this part is true. Today. Yeah, if <laughs> last week today. was the episode they heard, hey, I think oh we're done. Hey, listen, I think the key well, last week to getting us all those listens was this: no religion, no anything. <laughs> hurt the Bible, hurt God. He's against God. They're against religion, Bible, God. I think that brings in the the listeners. You know, I wish Sucks he was. I, he is correct about. I mean, I think it's a legitimate <laughs> I wish point would just to say bring it up clearly. <laughs> I think it's a legitimate point to bring up the Democratic platform Absolutely. and to say what words are in the Democratic platform. And right. if, if you have room for 20 LGBTQPQI references, then you have room for more than a God-given right. And yes. let's face it, that it's only been in very recent history that, that I mean, every nation historically has honored God, recognized God. None of, nobody would call that a theocracy. They would just say that the, as a nation, we're recognizing that. It doesn't make you a theocracy. I think that argument is just really weak and it's overused. Stupid. And and so, you know, there's there's it's it's ridiculous to think that, you know, we uh, I mean, it's with the exception of communist nations looking at history, every nation virtually. And, and even if it's in a, you know, in an eastern part of the world or something like that, they're still acknowledging a God. There's some sort of yep. some sort of exi- acknowledgement of something higher than them. Yeah. I mean, I haven't read it word for word. Is there another way they could have worded it? I think writing the word God or Lord or some other is pretty much how you would or Almighty. Those are things I search for, and literally God one time. And so, listen, I have no. You they want to. Oh God, yeah, there were twenty-seven <laughs> references with an image of Hillary Clinton. Um, so, I don't know. I just I think that it's it's a sad state of of affairs. But I do think we got to be praying for. Trump and Biden. One of these people, they're going to be president. And, you know, we got to hope that I, I want to see Biden. Wouldn't it be awesome if Biden, you know, came around and started living out the tenets of faith in policy? We and did everything. We haven't talked though about uh, AOC nominating Bernie Sanders at the. Uh, well, wasn't that a big nothing burger, though? It, I mean, apparently because, it was formality prestige. Yeah. But it but it was weird because of, I guess, the format of it. It yes. was weird. It looked terrible. It was weird. <laughs> it was yeah. wonderful. And then she's complaining about NBC News or whatever, misrepresenting what she was doing. It's like, welcome to our world. 
right? Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, she's busy with her pen pal program, so I understand it's very <laughs> it's very busy times right now. She's at she's at Kinko's trying to get things printed, <laughs> printing out her color, printing out her coloring sheets for people to mail, mail around the country. So speaking of the post office, okay, you want to know why the post office is screwed? Listen, my my father in law, God rest his soul, was a postman for a rural carrier for years and years and years, right? And he and I had some debates about the the post office from time to time, and I talked about how I was always in debt and it was and uh, losing money and losing millions. No, no, it's not in debt. And I'm like, this is, I just this is back when I worked on Capitol Hill, and I said I just wrote the legislation for the uh, the appropriations for the post office. It is in debt millions of dollars, and being told no, 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 it's not. It's because that's what they've been communicating. Anyway, it doesn't help though. Uh, here's my my favorite experience at the post office. The post office. In the little town I lived in, in in Northern Virginia, I go into the post office. And Billy, I think I've told you this before. It's Christmas season, right? So that, what is it? What do they sell at the post office at Christmas season? Christmas stamps. Everybody wants to get the Christmas stamps, right? So I go to the post office, and we're, my wife and I are waiting, waiting in line. And this lady in front of us is buying stamps. And the lady behind the desk at the post office says, "Well, we've got four different varieties. We've got this with these cartoon characters. We've got." Uh, this one with a star on it. We have this one with the with the menorah, and then there's the other one with this lady holding a baby. <laughs> she didn't know it was Mary holding Jesus. She had no well, clue. That's terrifying. Yes, but I've had students who don't know what a nativity is, so I understand. I can re- I can relate to this. Um, I, I wouldn't get rid of the post office though. You would you get rid of the post? Yes. I feel like I could see you being like I the one. It's, it. it's the one flaw left in the U.S. Constitution. The U.S. Constitution calls for a post office. This should be a conversation like for next that. week. I I would like to have this conversation. I I just think you need to have something that's dependable, and I just don't. Unless you're going to have regulation, it's not dependable. It. We do have a something. To, exactly. We do have something. We have two things. Dependable. I've, had, I've had more problems. FedEx, I've had way UPS. more problems with UPS with UPS and and FedEx. Than but they I were ever too time. They were too timely for you. Is that what the problem was? No. Too, no, too they efficient. Delivered the wrong address. Too affordable. We have constant problems with them. I think well, maybe it's because you don't. Also, you don't know your address, so there's that. You just say, "I'll be standing out on the street waving my arms." Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> I just think. I, listen, <laughs> I, how else do you here. get mailed to people? Anyway, we're not doing this tonight. We this okay. is on the docket for next week. Mark right. my words, fans. We are all twelve of you. You are going to hear a postal Zimbabwe. office debate. You're welcome. Next week. Okay, so are we are we done then? You're the one flaw in the US Constitution, <laughs> you dummy. Well, that was fun. Thank you Abby for coming on. She's probably horrified oh, she, that she was part of this. What? I, can we cut me out of that show? <laughs> can you imagine? She, I wanted to ask if she was at Walmart time. while she was in the car there. I think she was. No, she, she got I, that. I think she's on her way to deliver her uh, address. Church boys. Would you guys be down and excited if I set up a national progressive pen pal program? I'm the only one that could do it. He said that you shouldn't say it.